Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's News Tonight, the weeknight news show where we're joined by special guests and our lovely patrons to discuss the day's gaming news. I'm your host, Derek Bittner, and I'm joined by my good friends and GVG co-founders, Ash Polson and Steve Bowling, along with our very, very special guest, Rebecca Stone of Twinfinite and the Nintendo Shack podcast. Thank you so much for being here, Rebecca. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's just great. Uh, always, I love this thing. I love this uh, whole thing we do because I get to meet so many new people in the industry. I, I don't know if I would have met otherwise. So it's like, yay, new people. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it really just goes to speak to the power of collaboration because this is, I mean, the, the whole reason you're even here, Rebecca, is because I just met you through Friend Code when Damiani had us both on to talk about Zelda for the 35th anniversary. So it really just goes to show the power of collaboration and just... You know, forging new relationships and connections and all working together and doing cool stuff together. Yeah, Absolutely. rising tide rising tide and all and all raises all ships and all that. Exactly. And can we just take no, a moment no. to appreciate that Rebecca has the best background of any of us? <laughs> right? That, I'm, I'm serious jealous. True. I got this shifting thing here, but that's about all I got for now. I would, and she has this like I don't I Can you tell what my favorite worlds. video game is based yeah. off of the Zelda this, the Zelda that, the Zelda yeah. over there? Oh, just Madras for Link Final Between Fantasy, Worlds, right? so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yep. <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. No, you have so many cool things in the background there. It's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I, I was spending some time during our friend code discussion just, like, peering and trying to feel like, okay, there's Wind Waker back there. There's only Between Worlds. And, yeah. <laughs> what's the what's the red poster? I'm, not, I have, I'm having to, uh, that's difficulty a identifying that one. What's that? One? The one that's oh, like wait. right right here? Oh uh, no, the one directly below Link Between Worlds. Like right that's behind your puzzle. chair. Yeah, that's actually a puzzle of um it's kind of hard to see. It's the Breath of the Wild Divine Beast, the uh oh, that was uh, Naboris awesome. spider or something. Yeah. Very cool. And I saw, then I glued it together, it stuck it on the wall. Yeah, <laughs> it is so cool. yeah. Way to do it. <laughs> I have a uh, Majora's Mask Club Nintendo puzzle waiting to be done at some point that shows Fierce the Eddie Link that I just gotta do and glue together at some point. That one right. is so cool. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I have my posters. We're just we actually got poster board today, Amy and I. Well, Amy went on a trip while I was working on Persona Five Strikers and uh got poster board so I can start working on hanging this stuff. And we get back and one doesn't fit properly because they screwed up, like screwed up something. Another one Aww. has like a crack in it that she didn't notice until she got back. So it's like, uh, well, that was a wasted trip. I, I felt bad for her, but we're getting there. I have, no. I have a, my, my crown jewel that I'm trying to figure out where to hang out somewhere. I've had it for years is from the um, symphony of the goddess. I went to the, the first run and had the, yeah. uh, the massive poster they had from that. And it's still in re- reasonable condition, so I want to actually get it framed finally and hung somewhere. But it's huge. Oh my so. gosh, that one's beautiful too. I went to that same it concert, is. and I, I wish yeah. I had bought that. <laughs> it's one of the few things I got there. It's like I, I need to like I got a shirt and I got that. I think I was like I got to have some kind of memory for this, which is good because I haven't gone since. So that was such uh. a great when when Koji Kondo played Grandma's theme on piano. That was just my heart. My heart, it was just. <laughs> I don't oh, think we got great... Koji Kondo. Oh, you didn't? Okay. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, same. I, I went to the first one. I was at the well, Philly went... one, so. Okay. Hey, that's gotcha. the one I was at. Oh, really? <laughs> hey, there you go. There. The same I guess time. we got lucky. Was it like seven one. years ago or something like that? It might have been. Something like that. Yep. <laughs> See, it was nice because we were in the grass area. So you almost, like, my group made it like a picnic. So it was. Oh, just my gosh. Yeah. Hang that... out, have some food, and. I know what area you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, this. 
This reminds me, the last public event, I like big concert event I went to before the pandemic was uh, a near Automata concert, a near whole series concert in LA Ooh. in February, right before the pandemic hit, hit. So that was a nice, a nice uh, last hurrah. Well, I guess I went to PAX East after that, but the one, the last one here, I should say, at home, I went to. Right. Nice. Um, by the way, before we move on, I just want to say welcome to Black Ninja, who in the chat a little while back said, big fan, first time here. So thank nice. you for joining us in our live welcome, audience welcome. Yeah, thank and you. We hope to see you back many, many, many more times. I hope so. Uh, but before yeah. we actually get started, uh, of course, we have our sponsor. And this, as uh, Mondays are want to do, we have, uh, we're sponsored by The Game Orb. This episode is brought to you by, of course, The Game Orb. Uh, the Game Orb is a fledging channel. Focus mostly on Nintendo content. It's currently running Let's Plays of Unboxed Newbies Adventure, Splatoon 2, Super Mario 35, and more. Subscribe to the Game, game Orb at the link in the description. And last time, uh, we got him above 100 subscribers. I said my goal was to get him to 150, and I'm going to check right now to see if we pulled that off. Did we pull it off? I did not, I hope so. I did not I get hope the so. actual proper link. Hold on. <laughs> I just pasted the wrong thing in there. They're at 128. We're halfway there. Okay. Let's see if we can keep keep it going. Keep nice. it going. The last, the most recent thing was uh, Super Mario 3D All Stars, uh, Part Two, and uh, wow, Splat- Splatoon 2 Part 51. They are dedicated. So <laughs> really dedicated. That's a lot yeah. Of <laughs> oh uh, goodness. I am posting a link in the chat right now for everyone who wants to check it out. Please head over to the Game Orb and uh, drop them a subscribe if you would. I just subscribed. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much. much. We're we're at 130 now. There you Perfect. go. I love it. I love it. All right. You well, shall it. we go go on and uh, get into the news? Because a lot happened this this weekend. It seems. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, let me go ahead and. You want me to get that first story on screen? Yeah. Let's pop it on there. Uh, Steve. All right. Let's go. So, a new new DualSense drift investigation has suggested that its sticks have an operational life of 417 hours, and it's the same stick designs that are used in Nintendo and Xbox controllers. Now, I have not had a chance to fully look in this, taking care of a kid. Um, so, Ash, I assume you read a bit more about this? A little bit, but actually Steve was the one who was telling oh, me okay. before that he actually watched this whole video because he's a fan of iFixit. So, Steve, you're probably best equipped out of all of us to kind of talk about the breakdown here yeah yeah so i've i've been a big fan of ifixit for a long time uh for those of you that know what i do outside of gvg i fix machines computers specifically so uh tearing down electronics and and learning new techniques to do so is something i've always kind of kind of had front of mind and when this crossed over with the stuff i do at gvg there was no better reason for me to sit through a 14 minute video so i uh (laughs) i watched the whole thing and it's, it's interesting, but also, I think, a bit sensationalist. Uh, the reason being is, one, I can't, I don't have it handy today. I still have my Hanafuda card, so I'm still a Nintendo fan. Don't worry. But um, <laughs> I've, had, I've played way, 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 way more than 400 hours on my Switch Pro controllers. I have mm-hmm, the same right. ones I got when I got the console. Um, the way they arrived at that number was by playing Call of Duty and then doing some math. And... I don't think that every game is as tough on joysticks as Call of Duty. And so I don't think it's fair to just say, oh, yeah, 400 hours for sure. Like that's that's, you know, and, and to be fair, I fix it is is much more, uh, you know, they're like, these are rough numbers. This is an estimation. Don't take it as gospel. But of course, everyone just saw the number and then republished that everywhere uh, instead of, of 
telling people, mm. you know, hey, kind of, sort of, it, <laughs> it's a very soft number. Um, but it, it basically has to do with one component within the joystick. Uh, I can't remember what, what it's called, uh, but there's one specific component within within the analog uh, joystick module that will wear out because it's made of rubber or plastic. And basically, the you know, when you move the analog stick, those those parts are rubbing against each other and they're made of soft materials. And like any two soft materials that you just rub together repeatedly over time, it'll break down and stop working. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big issue here is that I guess Sony made it really difficult to replace these. So mm. unlike other controllers, the uh, DualSense's analog sticks are soldered on. So even if you know how to open a controller, even if you know how to disassemble stuff, you're also going to need to go to that extra level, which a lot of people find really intimidating, and desolder the analog sticks and then solder new ones nope. on. Because you can buy, <laughs> yeah. like, the analog module for all these controllers is like $4. It's really cheap. So if your controller is designed in such a way that it's easily replaceable, you you could without much technical know-how for most other controllers service that very easily by just popping the module off and putting a new one on. But uh, in this case, look, I would just say if you've got drift on your dual sense, just either bite the bullet and buy a new one, or hopefully you're under warranty. Um, but it does really kind of speak to the fact what I, what I suspected when people were saying that this was happening already, the the folks that are experiencing this are probably really really rough on their controllers because they haven't had them that long and i get that some obsessive people have probably already played 400 hours on their ps5s but those are like the most hardcore people i can think of i was going to say i'm trying yeah. to do some math in my head if you got a ps5 on day 1 to already put in over 400 hours on the controller you're, you're <laughs> probably playing uh, i don't know how much math is that six or seven hours it mean maybe yeah i, I, I mean i'm sure somewhat possible i'm not sure i'm what sure game there are playing. people who call and again like that. I said, yeah. kind of depends on what game game they're playing too exactly yeah. and i and, and a few people in the chat have, have brought up how they've also been using their switch pro controllers for long significantly longer than the 400 mm-hmm. or so hours that this article suggests um and certainly i have as well uh, I mean, hell, if I now to be fair, I mostly play Smash with my GameCube controller or with a GameCube controller, but I do play with uh, you know Pro Controller when I'm too lazy to want to get up and plug in my GameCube controller. And I mean, if if for as many hours as I played Smash, if my launch Switch Pro controller is still doing fine, and it is, I don't have any drift issues or anything. Yeah, I think I think this 400 hour, 400 hour figure needs a little more context to actually make sense. And I'm certainly not playing Call of Duty, so that would not apply <laughs> to me. And yeah, yeah I, I think this is a bit sensationalist, as Steve was saying. I uh, I would be still be using my original uh, Pro controller, but I I I didn't like the D pad. I had issues with the D pad, like a lot of mm-hmm. people did. And sure. so when I got the Smash Pro controller, I've just always used that, and never had an issue. I mean, I've had it since Ultimate came out, and that was what that was twenty seven. Was that twenty seventeen or eight twenty eighteen? My mind is 18. going twenty eighteen. Okay, so two years worth of uh, almost three years now of uh, using that thing. So definitely more than four hundred hours on that controller. So mm-hmm. right, yeah, it, it should be fine. It's a it's a weird situation. I never quite get tech stuff. It's it's it seemed early for drift to happen, but you know, we know how it goes for the Joy-Con. I don't know. <laughs> you it's, know, the weird right. thing is though, one of the things this report illuminated 
is that the Joy-Con, the Pro Controller, the DualSense, and ju- and the Xbox controllers all use this same module. So the same analog sticks that we all complain about in Joy-Con are the ones that are in your Pro Controller. <laughs> There's so no difference. Yeah. I, yeah. I, why is why are they <laughs> that, having that's drift the question? That's the question. It seems, and I've heard it happening in other controllers too, but not at the same kind of rates that we're hearing of it happening. You know, the Joy-Con. Hmm. Yeah, yeah it, it seems to be an issue that predominantly affects, or disproportionately, not predominantly, disproportionately affects Joy-Con. It, and I'm not quite sure of the reason for that. And it sounds as though none of us really it, are. It could and it, it, because it's strange. The only thing I can posit the is that because the Joy-Con are much thinner than any of the controllers we mentioned before, um, perhaps, you know, that leads to more more force being applied to the stick when using it. Uh, because your grip mm. is theoretically tighter on a Joy-Con because you have to close your hand tighter just to grab mm. it. Uh, it could very well be that, you know, we're subconsciously applying more force to Joy-Con than we do traditional controllers. And because of that, like I said, the the drift is caused by two components rubbing together. So it would stand a reason that if you're squeezing it harder mm. while moving the joystick, you're applying more force to those parts that degrade. And so they're degrading just a lot quicker. Especially maybe if you're playing in handheld mode a lot. Yep. That could also be the case. That could be. I mean, this is completely anecdotal, but I will say I pretty much never have controllers outright die on me. Uh, But my modded Joy-Con R uh, is just dead. It, 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 It died probably maybe a couple weeks ago. Even if I connected to the Switch it's gone. Like it doesn't even register anymore. Now, of course it was modded. So there is that element, but at the same time, my modded Joy-Con L is doing fine. So I don't, maybe just Joy-Con in general are just a bit flimsier and, and a bit more prone to just damage it pressure breaking seems I like know. it because I, I there was that whole uh twitter thread that chugger conroy had about how he's like had eight sets of joy con and all of them eventually drifted and he sent it back and wow. eventually the ones that got fixed would get you know go back to drifting it's just crazy um i had yeah. mine drift and i i was able to fix it um using the compressed air method that people talked about but mm, i've heard no. even that you know it could happen again you know in, in time mm. it's, unfortunately just no good fix but i don't really use the joy con a lot i think the only game i really used the joy con the entire time was the last one i did was super mario odyssey just because i like the feel of throwing cappy probably use it for skyward sword <laughs> coming yeah. up but yeah right that's about it and speaking um, of, this is this offers as good a reason as any to get those new, those swanky new Skyward Sword. Oh, I want them. They, I missed the, on set. They, they, they <laughs> went up on one. pre-order yeah. uh, earlier today uh, at Target, and I didn't notice it until 15 minutes later, so I popped one quick because I know Amy wants them. They were already gone. It's way too late. <laughs> those were yep. gone in five minutes. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to try. more yeah, runs of them, possibly. Uh, she, I do want to like, extend a... Oh, good. Oh, good, Ash. Good. I just want to extend a warm welcome to Yarden in the chat, uh, whose name I don't recognize. Welcome to our live audience here, if this is your first time here. Also, it Rebecca, it seems Yarden is a fan because they say, I'm late too. Rebecca! <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Yarden. <Nice. laughs> um, but yeah, it was funny because Amy, like, as soon as she watched that direct, she's like, I want those. And she's like, you don't need to ask me. You don't need to double check with me. If they're available, get them. <laughs> Which is nice. funny coming from her. Either way, though, uh, I guess we'll see how this whole drift issue continues. But we have some really crazy news next up. So let's go ahead and bring that up. 
So a playable Nintendo 64 development build of Rare's Dinosaur Planet before it moved to the GameCube and became Star Fox Adventures has been found and dumped online for all to play. And this is God, what a piece of history history. It's interesting because it's it it is the version that has um, Fox in it. Uh, this is, you know, still Fox doing all the whole thing. I was kind of hoping it was the build that had, like, before Fox got integrated into it. But still, it's, well, it's really cool. It's, it's a bit it's it's a bit in the middle, though, yes, actually. That's it, what it I was going to say. Fox's character model. Oh, sorry, Steve. Didn't mean to. Oh, no, no, no. I was, I, I'm just agreeing with you. Please continue. Oh, gotcha. You're saying everything yeah, no, I was so, going to say. So, the, yeah, Fox is the character model you see, but but the script still references Saber. The UI still shows Saber. Um, I guess, so but they it, say weird... I'm Fox Cloud of Royal Knight of the Lilat system. So, yeah. Right. Well, and that's what's so interesting is that it seems to be an in in between build where we all uh, assumed that that Fox wasn't brought in until the game's development was shifted to GameCube. But it, it seems to be that it was more of a pers- a kind of a just gradual thing, or at least it happened in stages, right, Steve? Yeah, exactly. I I uh, was also of the mind that. Fox was kind of like a last minute thing that they that they kind of slapped onto it at the GameCube development stage, not back on the N64. And I could be wrong. I know that there's a lot of folks that have followed Dinosaur Planet very closely um, for decades now. And I was certainly not in that camp. It was always kind of a curiosity to me. But yeah, I, I think the popular uh, notion was that Fox was added after the port had occurred, not before. Um it's really interesting too because we see Fox and he looks largely similar to how he looks on the GameCube, but he's got a sword, which I think is kind of cool, right. mm-hmm. instead of yeah. the staff that he uses in the game. And honestly, it's it's surprisingly uh, good looking for an N sixty four version of the game. I actually really this like what gorgeous. we see in this uh, beta. I haven't I've seen about twenty minutes of it. Um, the first mm-hmm. time I, I discovered this was um, John from Digital Foundry uploaded footage to his personal youtube channel and i wasn't even aware the game had leaked so i was dming him on discord being like where did you get this (laughs) i was like why has why do you not have like a million views and he's like dude everyone has it i was like oh Mm -hmm. well i guess i'm behind the times (laughs) i was streaming at the time and somebody said this i'm like wait really (laughs) that's insane but what what was your take on this rebecca when you saw it pop up so yeah, I this is not something that I have really followed. I mean, just even the name Dinosaur Planet might have been something I vaguely heard about in the past. Um, to me, I just really think it's so cool when these things come up. Um, it's great for the people who have been following it and have been wondering what have happened to this project. I know that the same person who came out with this, um, the was the Forest Evolution, um, had come out just recently, I think, with um, those Zelda 64 beta leaks yep. as well. Wasn't that mm-hmm. their, their most recent project before this? Um, I just think it's so cool to see kind of what these projects were what they might have been uncovering all these things that i wish that these developers would just you know make a book or documentary or something about just so that we can kind of see what what were these canceled projects what were these things that could have been yeah Yeah. and and, i mean this is really this is one of the holy grails for people who you know have have followed canceled games and and especially for the n64 i mean there's this and to my mind the other two things that would be really incredible to find if they do exist are Mother 3, of course, the, the N64 version of Mother 3, if there is a build of that out there, and Conquer, back when Conquer was still known as 12 Tales. So I feel like, you know, this is one of those three 
just holy grail in 64 betas that never, you know, the game never saw the light of day. But the fact that a playable, not only a playable build, but a playable build of Dinosaur Planet this late into development before it was turned into Star Fox, Star Fox Adventures, the fact that it even exists, this is so cool. And mm-hmm. like Steve, I'm, I'm, I, I think I watched the same 20 minutes you did, Steve, which was, of course, John's footage. And I, uh, I, I was struck by just the reminder of how incredible late N64 rares work was. Yeah. Like, the, this, I mean, the, this the game is gorgeous. Just looks so good. There are shadow effects like uh, Crystal. There are shadow effects on Crystal when you're playing as her and, 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 and as Fox, I guess. And there are shadow effects. The, the music's really nice. The visuals for late N64, it's a really good looking game. Obviously, performance takes a hit uh, because of that. But I'm just so impressed even now by what rare we're able to pull off on the n64 especially later into that console's life cycle mm-hmm. um jared Eninger pointed out the best part of that is that this wasn't a leak it was just found on a disc so nobody got hacked right i think from a hmm. swedish from some swedish owner uh, who owned all this stuff and they they bought it i guess like a swedish auction or something from what i understand said it yeah said it was a private game collector located in sweden Right, right. So yes. I'm glad that they're not just sitting on this and that they're able to, you know, sell it and get it to someone who's willing to upload it for all to see. I, I do. It however. makes you wonder what else is out there, too. What yeah, else right? is sitting in a drawer it somewhere does. in some collector's, know. you know, shelf somewhere? I, I do yeah, have to point I, out, though, Ash, you, you mm-hmm. missed a very important Holy Grail. I, I was about to say that. I think I know where you're going with this. Zelda. Yeah. We, we have beta assets, but we have never seen a playable beta of Zelda 64. Right. And mm-hmm. I think for me personally, as someone who grew up reading the magazines and all that other stuff, and as hyped as I am for the stuff forest evolution already has released, I would lose my damned yeah. mind. If I got to play the stuff that was in those screenshots and, and that people have been modding back into the game. If I found a proper Same build here. that was playable. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. But that's it. I could retire. <laughs> yeah. no, <laughs> I'd be like, nothing's ever going to top no. this. I'm out. No, we've talked before about how obsessed we both were with, you know, the, the beta development of Ocarina of Time and all the stuff on Odyssey of Hyrule. And yeah, that to play all that stuff in context with the way that it existed in the game at that time would be incredible. Uh, but that actually was not where I thought you were going with it. You were totally right. But another uh, reminder from Naughty Senpai in the chat says, you forgot about Final Fantasy 64, Ash. That would be huge. And what I, what I assume you mean by that is the uh, before FF7 was FF7, that super early tech demo. Yep. Uh, showing FF6 mm. characters on, uh, on in an N64 so was, build. Was that playable, or is it just I, a video? I, always I was about it was just to say, I don't know. I could be yeah, wrong. I don't know if it's playable. But I remember trying to dig into this years and years ago at this point, and I remember reading somewhere, don't quote me on it, but I remember reading somewhere that not only was that not a playable demo, it actually mm. wasn't running on true N64 development hardware even. It was Ooh, running on an okay. SGI workstation mm. that approximated what the n64 might be capable of doing and it was just a a battle that looped like you there was no interaction to it whatsoever because that was i agree that's one of those things that if i could i would but as i understand it 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 never was more than just showing off what a potential final fantasy game could look like and it it wasn't even playable which is really sad because damn would i love to get more behind the scenes (laughs) ff7 stuff because that would that would be just as big as as Zelda, in my opinion, if not bigger, in a sense, right. because it was kind of more impactful of a game in some ways. I think that it was kind of more mainstream in a sense than Ocarina of Time was at at the time of release. Uh, but I would mm-hmm. 
I would definitely, if I had to choose between my two favorite children, I would, I would choose Ocarina of Time 10 out of 10, like every single time, which is hard. That's a hard thing to have to say, but definitely. I'd uh, like to see a lot of the early stuff they had. Obviously it got reworked for later Zodas, but a lot of the ideas they had for Wind Waker, because there were so many ideas they had to cut for Wind Waker. Mm -hmm. That'd be really interesting to see. Mm -hmm. But. I mean, it this seems to be this most recently we seem to just get a ton of these examples of games that were worked on in the past and are now a thing. It's pretty cool. And it, it does make you sad for the fact that Dinosaur Planet had so much potential. Um Yeah. Just looking at this yeah. like this is crazy. I will say that I that I'm one of the people who does not think Star Fox Adventures is is a bad game. I, I think what not it became bad, is a it's just fine game. Dull. It's not amazing, but I actually enjoyed my time with it personally. And I mean when you think about what Rare were able to accomplish with Dinosaur Planet late in the N64's life cycle, the fact that they were able to completely or mostly gut that game and turn it around into Star Fox Adventures and make that game look as good as it did early on in the GameCube's life cycle at 60 FPS pretty mm-hmm. impressive stuff rare there are some technical wizards over at rare and i'm i'm just i still find myself impressed by what they were able to accomplish agreed I, and i remember watching space world footage of Star Fox adventures and being blown away by how good that looked i was like i can't wait to get this oh, I remember and, everybody talking about the fur textures on yep, fox yep yeah yep yeah I, I still have a soft spot for that game as i do for a lot of gamecube era games but yeah star fox adventures right. i agree with you ash not didn't blow me away but it was pretty damn good for what it was yeah mm-hmm. oh another another holy grail thing i'd love to see uh kind of like you steve i don't even know if there is footage of this out there that even could exist but i would love to see banjo kazooie's stop and swap working as intended like working oh. the way it was originally intended to work before it was canceled and repurposed into what it was for the xbox live arcade version but that would be so mm-hmm. cool to see Mm-hmm. Stop and swap working as intended with yeah hardware wise, but I don't even know if it ever. Made yeah, it that oh, Shell Shock Prime reminded me of the one, the true holy grail for me is uh, a 3DS cart with Mega Man Legends three prototype. Oh on it. god, yeah. If we're if we're not yeah. only talking N sixty four and we're yeah Mega Man Legends, I don't care how many people version. would have shown it off before me. I would just still have to do it. Like, here's me playing yeah. this because yeah, yeah, definitely, absolutely. Ugh. Well, it's cool to see more gaming history pop up, but let's go ahead and move on to our next topic. So, Nintendo President Shinkaru Furukawa is talking once again, this time discussing the Next Level Games acquisition and how they're not really actively buying studios. This sort of just uh, a a thing they did for this time. Uh, He said, they were a longtime development partner of ours, and to increase the overall quality and speed of development, we decided it would be better for them to operate as a subsidiary studio. It's not a case of us simply wanting more development resources. I don't think simply scaling up production like that actually adds value to Nintendo products. So they just wanted to, like, make them a little bit more efficient, I guess. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, they trusted them with with, uh, Luigi's Mansion. Obviously, Nintendo places a lot of faith in Next Level. Uh, they were also the ones that made Punch Out, if I remember correctly, for the Wii. They are, um, and Super Mario Strikers. Yeah. There's a lot of good games out of the next level. Next yeah. level, so and and I guess you know you right. could say, hey, we really like your stuff, but you, you need a little a little bit more money to make these things come out at a steadier clip. So why don't we just buy you, and then you got all that Nintendo money to burn. So I I, <laughs> I would never anticipate, or I would never expect Nintendo to go on a studio buying binge. That just so is. No antithetical no. to what they do <laughs> so that that's it doesn't seem 
I don't think they need to. And I saw a lot of people speculating what uh, studios they could acquire, would want them to acquire. But to me, it's not really how Nintendo operates. I feel like their big push is obviously the first party games is the lore of why the people buy you know, the Nintendo consoles in the first place. But then I feel like Nintendo just does their own things like they push the indies. Um, they kind of have studios that are, they you know, just kind of working under them, you know, developing and maybe will develop things exclusively or timed exclusive. But I don't think they need to have, you know, this, this buying spree kind of like what you said. It's just not really how they operate. Yeah. And I mean, and, and I can see where Furukawa is coming from. I mean, the, Nintendo has a certain, you know, level of, of polish in terms of their expectations for that, that, that doesn't always come through, like we saw with the Link's Awakening remake, some of the performance issues there. But in general, Nintendo isn't all about just pushing out as many games as they can as fast as they can. They, they certainly you know like to get it right, and they like to take their time to the extent possible. So I can see where Fudokawa is coming from, where it says it's just not Nintendo's style just to buy up as many studios as possible to increase their rate of output. They, you know, they're, if, they're if that was their thing, titles. they would have bought Rare yeah, a exactly. long time ago. Exactly. <laughs> So I, I think in terms of a targeted acquisition, Next Level Games only makes too much sense, right? Given how much wonderful work they've done for Nintendo thus far. Uh, but I can see why they don't make it a a habit to just go out on, on buying buyout sprees. <laughs> Not Microsoft. <laughs> it's just going <laughs> to buy everybody. And now right. we'll have first-party content people will care about. <laughs> yeah. But... Honestly, not a whole lot else to talk about with this one. It's just like uh, that's sort of the reason behind it and makes sense. So mm-hmm. cool. I, I don't just, think I'm anybody just... was too surprised. <laughs> yeah. No, I just want to see what Next Level is doing next because <laughs> they, they really have become one of my favorite uh, development studios on Nintendo. Please just, be a new oh, punch I've... out. Oh, new that would be, I always that would have be nice. John's freaking punch out the rings of Saturn stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Little Mac fighting aliens, do it. Be amazing. I want it because it's just ridiculous enough, and we can get away from those uh, unfortunate caricatures. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Have uh, Little Mac fight literally the Zen- uh, a, a uh, xenomorph stand yeah. in for the xenomorph and uh-huh. the predator and that kind of thing. Have boxing matches for him. It's just like all kind of like alien sci-fi stuff that he's just boxing for some reason. You never know <laughs> what can <laughs> happen. <laughs> That would be hype, though. I'm not going to lie. That would be, and, and especially given what we've seen they're able to do with, you know, series like Luigi's Mansion. I mean, it's Luigi's Mansion 3. It doesn't get talked about quite as often in terms of the Switch's best looking games, but that game is incredible looking. The, yeah. the animation mm-hmm. tech they were able to pull off in that game is just really, really wild. And so it's... I'd love to see what they could do with Punch Out. Be- That's why I fell on. in love with Dark Moon because Luigi was so damn expressive and adorable, and I love him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Before before we move too far, and his voice calling for Mario. Oh, dude, I love that. I I I hate that in Luigi's Mansion (laughs) Three, it's just like one one pitch to it. I liked that in Luigi's Mansion One, the more terrified he get, the the more kind of warbly his his voice would get when he called out for Mario. He you know yeah. But in Luigi's Mansion Three, it feels a bit more flat. Like it's always just the same tenor to when he calls out and i really sure, like yeah. kind of the terror escalating his cowardice becoming more powerful <laughs> they should, that's um, brutal man yeah. i love hearing luigi terrified oh more dude, terrified. It's funny. <laughs> well, like i said I, I i i'll still say it until i get it but next luigi mansion luigi's mansion need to, needs to be pulled from that smash trailer 
and give me oh, him yeah. just exploring a giant castle and all the ghouls and stuff in there. Go beyond a little bit beyond ghosts. I just I want an actual ghosts. terrifying moment where you're playing Luigi's Mansion and Ridley shows up out of nowhere to just kill you. <laughs> I oh, want to be, I wanna be the one that's scared. I want a rematch between Luigi and death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. Was... I'm down with that. It yeah. was death from Castlevania. That's right. Ripped out death his soul. Ca- Wait, Mario got offed by Ridley, right? Yeah, Mario, Mario got offed okay. by Ridley. And then to- then, there we go. And then tossed aside by uh, Sephiroth. <laughs> there we go. Right. So Luigi Luigi witnesses the death of Mario at the hands of Ridley, has to take a vacation mm-hmm. from the PTSD, and ends up getting chased by death. It's a perfect game. Oh, I think no. he just found, I think he just found the plot. Leave his body. <laughs> yep. You, you yeah. just found the that Nintendo-approved plot for Luigi's Mansion 4. They would have no edits to that, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. They'd be Definitely like, no, no Nintendo-approved. <laughs> oh, man. I actually would be kind of cool if you had different puzzle elements where Luigi would ha- like be so scared that he has an out-of-body out experience and becomes basically Ghost Luigi or Spirit Luigi and be able to explore around like that. That'd be really cool. Yeah. You know, this That'd is... be a cool game mechanic, actually. Yeah. This is bringing me back to a wild-ass idea I've had for a while. Oh, boy. What if... In the Smash After Ultimate, instead of having a story mode, we got a mode where you could play through various different game types that explained how each character got into Smash. So, like, for Luigi, you would play through something similar to his reveal trailer, (laughs) and when you got to the end of it, you'd get your letter for Smash, and then you'd unlock them in the game. I personally would love that. I know it'll never happen. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, I'd be, so yeah I'd be down for like a platformer that that takes Mega Man through wherever he went through to get to that cliff that cliff top for his uh, exactly. awesome reveal trailer. I'd be so down with that. Just playing as <laughs> Rex as he hunts down Pyro and Mithra. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, going through Xenoblade. Um, Azrian says Booigi, and we've technically already had that thanks to Mario Galaxy. True, Since you can right. play as Luigi in that game. Right. So either way, let's go ahead and move on to our next subject. So, uh, Roger Craig Smith has confirmed uh, that he chose to walk away f- uh, from the role of Sonic and was not actually fired or replaced. Though, apparently, there's still some room for, rec- uh, for speculation on to, to why, as to why. Like, why he decided now is the time to walk away. Um, I guess here's the easiest thing, because uh, I've not really seen his statement yet. Um, is he a... Uh, is he part of the um, what's the t- screen term for actors it? guild? Is that yeah it? the screen actors guild? Is he Sad. part of that? I yeah, is he part of that? I don't know offhand. I do have his statement in front of me though. If you want me to read it, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Okay, so this is this comes from the Voices from Krypton podcast that Roger Craig Smith was recently on, where he says it's just one of those things. It's a time in looking at the way things are being handled, the way that you are, where you're at, and what you want to deal with and do. And I found myself going, I think it's time. I think it's time to be done. That's a pretty, pretty heavy statement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's both absolving Sega of obviously not firing or replacing him, but it's not absolving them entirely. It sounds as though maybe there is some, I don't know if there's something with the way Sega was handling certain aspects of the role behind the scenes that maybe he didn't agree with. You know, and, and of course, I'm sure this is all we're going to get. I'm sure that's all he's legally able to say. And that's fine if so. But it definitely, the, the statement is worded in such a way, at least in my mind, that it doesn't necessarily absolve Sega from having from playing a role in his departure. 
I definitely thought the same thing when he said, looking at the way things are being handled, maybe it was just he didn't like the direction that it was going or something. I don't think it's necessarily anything that would be considered like nefarious or anything, but. Right. Um, I mean, he agreed to the Sonic Forces script, so. <laughs> I, I, hate, I hate to Occam's razor this thing, but what if he just saw that they were letting go of all the other folks he worked with? And he's like, yo, fuck this. And just decided to leave. I mean, the uh, voice actor for Knuckles already changed with team Sonic racing. Uh, They changed it. I forget his, who played him in, you know, uh, up until that game. But um, yeah, he, he, I I remember playing uh, team Sonic racing and getting to Knuckles. I'm like, that's not Knuckles. What the heck is this? And there was a new actor. And I think it actually has to do for the whole union thing. Cause I don't, I think there, these are non-union gigs for Sonic. And I know a lot mm-hmm. of actors have a little mm, about that whole thing. Um, so it might be just now that Sonic boom is uh, the show is over. They're like, well, I've had my run. Let's move on. I'm not, you know, this is, a, let's not worry about this non-union gig. I don't know. Right. Yeah. yeah we think he could be moving on to it. Into like another project that he he thinks could be a new experience for him or something maybe just as big. I mean, it's possible. I, it's just it's so hard to know without knowing more of the context behind why yeah. he decided to leave. Was it a money issue? Was it an ethics issue? Was it a, a, a SAG issue? It might be that, as Derek was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, it, it's a loss for Sonic fans for sure. I think all of us here are, are a bit bummed out that you know that Roger is leaving the role. Uh, not that there isn't someone else out there who will who's going to do an amazing job, I'm sure, whether it's Ben Schwartz or someone else. But it definitely is the end of an era. And to, I, this, may, this, for me, casts more light on the question of the other actors, Tails and Amy. Were, did they also decide to leave for the same reasons? Or were they actually replaced and just Roger wasn't? There's so many questions here, oh, but I point. also doubt that we're, we're going to get any more information than what we have now. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's it's all something we can only really speculate about. There's no way to go through it. Um, just once again, uh, Mike Pollock uh, survives a cast change. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a weird thing, but uh, I guess we'll see. <laughs> all right, well, yeah. let's move on from this depressing uh, subject <laughs> and uh, get into what's uh, next, which is actually pretty uplifting, at least as a fan. <laughs> So, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 has sold out on Amazon Japan following Pyra and Mithra being announced for Smash Brothers Ultimate. That is the effect of Smash Brothers, that these characters (laughs) can get announced and all of a sudden their game is sold out in Japan. Mm -hmm. I hope it's kind of doing the same thing in the U.S. as well, because Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is fantastic. And, um, oh, this makes me so happy. And honestly, it makes me, like, wonder, like, Nintendo looking at this and being like, um... Should we do Fighters Pass 3 if this is going to do for this for all our games? <laughs> oh, you know? I hope so. Come on. Of course, we didn't, we yeah. didn't, did we hear about any kind of boost in sales for ARMS when Min Min was announced? I don't know. No. Not that I recall. No, not that I recall. Um, I don't think there yeah, was a huge one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I was going to mm-hmm. say, I don't think there was a huge boost, but I wouldn't be surprised if it got a couple more people interested in, in ARMS. Um, I do feel like these fighter passes, especially the ones that aren't necessarily first party choices, are really specifically for a lot of marketing reasons that they want to be able to, to push these games and kind of get more more eyes on them. Um, 
I'm not surprised by it at all. Mm-mm. Yeah, and I mean, this is great to see. I've I, I mentioned that I've never been a big fan of Xenoblade to the game, and that's not necessarily changed. change. It's not like, it doesn't have my favorite combat system or anything, but Pyra and Mithra were certainly high points of, of the game for me. I, I just enjoyed their characters. And the more I like rewatch that trailer and the more I think about it, the more hype I am for them to join the roster. I'm so glad it wasn't just Rex or Rex and Pyra. I think Pyra and Mithra by, by themselves is so much cooler. And I love that this is driving sales of Xenoblade 2. As you said, maybe this will, you know, really get Nintendo to want to do a Fighters Pass 3. If they're not already, who knows? Um, But yeah, I think this is great. And I love seeing Smash drive sales of games that people might otherwise not check out. I think it's cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Classy Mudkip says, "I I, I know Joker got me to play Persona, so there's that effect again. And then... Rob Arman X saying uh, arms didn't get a boost in physical sales, but let's not forget that the game went on sale shortly after a fighter from arms was announced. So right. That, mm. There is that, that aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it is the smash effect. This is how smash is how we got fire emblem Smash is How we got a new kid Icarus after how long and the pits redesign. Like it's amazing what kind of effect it can have. And I'm curious if Nintendo is looking at maybe a potential new character and saying like, okay, Whose game do we want to relaunch and do something with and bring it, you know, bring it up? I don't know. There's a lot of potential there with the classic series or newer ones. It's hard to say, but yeah, <laughs> this, yeah. I could see Nintendo being like, you yeah. know, maybe a Fighters Pass 3. So what I definitely think that's the case. Yeah. No, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, please. Go I was going to say. I think that's definitely the case, at least for this pass, maybe not so much the first pass where it was, we kind of saw some more legacy characters like Banjo and we saw Terry and whatnot. But for this one definitely seems to be more based on the business and marketing aspect. Um, was Violet part of this second pass? First pass. Violet? She was in the first pass. Yeah, okay. So maybe last, yeah. towards the end then of, of that first pass, I know it was getting, you know, a lot more people interested in three houses. I think the sales were boosted um, after that was announced as well. So I think that seems to be more the focus this time. And, you know, who are you know the, the relevant characters today? Who can we get, um, you know, that are more from that business uh, standpoint? So, mm-hmm. so what we're saying is we can, all, we can all agree that it makes sense for Nintendo to announce a new Rhythm Heaven and then announce Chorus Kids <laughs> as the next DLC character to drive sales of that new Rhythm Absolutely. Gotcha. Nice, nice. I could, I could see it working, honestly. I, could, honestly, I actually could, could too, to be could honest could really with you. do well. <laughs> They actually that actually might get people who would never even think about Rhythm Heaven to actually oh, get yeah. them to try a Rhythm Heaven game. If, if the it would be the best, the best selling uh, Rhythm Heaven game ever if they right? did do it that yeah, way. Be right? So hype! Oh, I wish. I wish. Uh, I don't just... think we're living in that timeline, though. Unfortunately, no. <laughs> no. no, we aren't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just have to see what actually happens. But it's it, it's cool as a Xenoblade fan to have more people discovering that game and uh yeah. how wonderful it is well and but, it's like it, it really the only thing i didn't like about xenoblade 2 was the combat system but so so the idea of getting really? to play as these really cool characters like I, I love the designs of pyra and mithra and i always thought it would be it should feel more fun to play as them than it actually does in my opinion in xenoblade 2 so to have that happen in smash now i, I like i find i feel like is super exciting I'm very glad I was able to have that combat system click for me and me too. just be yeah. able to enjoy it because it, I do think it's wonderful. And again, uh, for people who are a little worried or a little intimidated, uh, Chugga Conroy is your source. Right. I think he just released a video, a non-spoiler video on here's how you handle Xenoblade. And mm-hmm. you can really, you want an expert, go to him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 
he is your Xenoblade expert, but uh, yeah, it's it's really really cool, and uh, we'll we'll see if uh, it has the same effect for others. Like, I wonder how many more people are going to check out King of Fighters now that Terry's in Smash. Yeah, you know it's a good. I mean, I feel like maybe the timing is a little off because King of Fighters 15. What is that coming out later this year? I think. Yeah, Terry came out for Smash last year, so maybe the timing there is a bit off. But I would like to see that be the case because SNK. Is is a developer that Wait, did Terry come out last year? Paying attention, or did he come out? Or was it two years ago? Was it... it might have been two years when ago. he was it's announced. Yeah, I was it, was very, yeah. it was September twenty nineteen. It was coinciding yeah. with PAX West. I remember that now. Yeah, because so. I was going to say you yeah. and I, you and I did a discussion on it together in the right. same room. <laughs> so, right, there's only one way that happened. <laughs> so yeah. unfortunately, the timing is a bit off. But I, I, that's a shame because I do think that people should be paying more attention to SNK games in general because SNK is kind of a, one of the unsung heroes of retro gaming, and they still do good stuff today. Yeah, uh, Charlie Bird saying I'm definitely into car- uh, SNK games now that I was introduced to Terry. So nice. Okay. See, I go. think it does that no matter if yeah. it's a maybe an older character, a legacy character, or you know, a modern one. I think Give that you're right. To... The splash effect is how you you called it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like uh, a perfect thing to do is just for throwing it out there, Laura Croft in uh, Smash, and here's the sh- the the Tomb Raider trilogy on Switch. Now. Right, right. There it would be go. perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think if we're gonna get like a gritty third party character like that, though, it almost has to be Master Chief at this point. <laughs> I, I still envision like what that trailer case. would look it like. Seems like it, but. Given Microsoft a lot of love for these fighter passes. Mm-hmm. Technically, Steve. Technically, Laura would even be Square Enix again. So, yeah, I I mean, I could see, I could see Laura making sense for sure as an industry, as you know, as a gaming character icon for sure. Um, There's a lot of characters you could say that for. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and and it could easily, you know, one could say, well, does she make sense for Smash? But I mean, then again, does Solid Snake make sense for Smash? Not necessarily. So (laughs) it doesn't matter necessarily. It doesn't matter whether it makes sense for Smash. But again, throwing off this, Ash has always wanted it for a while. I'm down for it. Klonoa. Oh my god! His games, give them a chance to succeed. Get more Bandai Namco representation. I think think Klonoa is great, and I I would want him more personally than who I'm about to suggest. But I feel like Crash is a lot more relevant right now. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I I, I hate to say that, but yeah, it's true. I feel like they exist in kind of the same space in terms of representation within Smash. Like they're both the same type of character that you would put in Smash. Mm kind of a a, ma- a platformer mascot character and right with smash having uh or with crash having his most recent game coming to the switch really soon and then having the insane trilogy on the switch for a while now i i could i could mm-hmm. definitely see it but man i would be so I... much happier if it was klonoa <laughs> same i feel like if crash was going to happen it would have happened already because of the reasons that you just so. said <laughs> Yeah, unless it comes out around it's Crash possible. Four, which I don't know about that. And I yeah. mean, yeah, and and it was said that Crash's you know anniversary celebrations are going to continue throughout the year. That doesn't mean it's going to be Smash, but that could be something that could be positioned as an anniversary. There's going to be something coming up. You're right. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, Evernight Studio <laughs> mentions Tales would happen over Klonoa, and again, same idea. You put Lloyd in Smash, release that yeah. Tales of Symphonia double pack that they put out on PS3. Switch can. Handle handle Vesperia, it can handle Symphonia. Yeah. Boom. And and Sakurai has has already shown that he doesn't give a 
fuck about all the anime sword fighter <laughs> complaints, which I'm fine with. I love that he that people are like anime sword fighters boo. But Lord has two swords. That makes a difference. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this, yeah, he has two swords. Difference. This is this is yeah. actually more of a sword anime fighter. Remember, Pyra is the sword. Yeah. Just saying. Right. Can't be an anime sword fighter if you're already a sword. Exactly. <laughs> Total difference. Yeah. Big brain thinking. Uh huh. Yeah. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on to our next topic, which uh, is kind of cool, actually. So uh, I've been playing Persona 5 Strikers, and one of the big central things in it is a phone companion named Emma. And I did not realize this. It just didn't click with me. Uh, I don't think it's the same voice used. I think it has to be different. But the voice of Emma in the game is voiced by the real-life phone companion Siri, the woman who recorded Siri, Siri, uh, Seriously Susan, uh, on Twitter is the voice of Emma in Persona 5 Strikers, which is a whole level of meta. <laughs> That's so cool. That's Susan, pretty cool. Susan Bennett, yeah, is her name. Man, that is like that. insane. That's not... wild to me. That Yeah, like that's just such a neat get. Okay, like, so the... it, it makes perfect sense. The first question I have about this, Derek, since you've played this game, does she do the Siri voice as Emma? Does she sound like Siri? No, because I didn't okay. hear Emma and think, oh, that's Siri. Okay, good. So I think it's a different voice. I think, I think, mm-hmm. knowing Apple, Apple would have something to say about that. Probably. Yeah, I was just, I was just probably. thinking that, uh, I'll just be frank, I hate Siri a lot. <laughs> I think I think <laughs> she is the dumbest smart assistant I've ever seen. And so <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine that game, like Siri's voice coming out of the game, because I feel like it would just frustrate me to hear it. So I'm glad to hear that she at oh least did it's a, something different. It's a different, different. voice. Yeah, and, good. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. I've had I, my I Siri use... set to have a British accent for years and years now, just because I think it sounds funny. So I don't even remember what that actual Siri voice sounds nice. like. Little, little do we know that her Siri is actually just John Cartwright. Just... <laughs> Right. <laughs> now that that is that's a personal assistant voice i would be willing to pay premium for man john cartwright's sultry voice telling him to give me directions <laughs> on driving directions hell yeah um <laughs> i know i you know i've never been i don't hate siri but i i've never just i've never really found a lot of utility for digital assistants like that no. I, i've tried to work siri into like my daily like you know a few times like oh siri schedule this or do I this and it just never don't. feels natural enough for me to want to stick with it i always try it for like a couple of days and then i just end up going back to my old i'll just do it by you know manually i'll set the only thing i'll ever do is um like if i'm driving and need to make a phone call that's the only reason what i'll use it for yeah that makes sense yeah for sure i I hate uh... her but i use her all the time like for everything i'm the laziest human being on earth picking up my (laughs) phone is hard (laughs) I, i i don't use it hardly at all i just know that every time i stream and go seriously she's like yes can i help you <laughs> oh stop nice. helping me <laughs> um derek Galatovich in the chat says oh man i don't use assistance but i need the john helper i think there's a real thing to be <laughs> yeah to get him on that yeah mm-hmm. get that voice approach john with this idea yeah It'll be some money money waiting to happen Sponsored by Good Vibes. John Cartwright, digital assistant, sponsored by Good Vibes Gaming. There you wow. go. Tell him we want that. <laughs> Business plan, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's... I'm on the final dungeon. I'm very close to finishing it. I'm Unfortunately, I missed the uh, Atlas's embargo. I was hoping to have it ready for tomorrow for the you know the full release. I know it came out Friday digitally for di- digital deluxe people. 
but I should have it. I de- will definitely have it this week. Um, I'm very close. Um, but I just want to finish the game because of that's how you know the story. You can't really claim whether, whether the story is good or not until you see the whole thing. So mm-hmm. Fair. that's what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. So especially with an RPG, uh, essentially is cause I'll, all I'll say is this, is this the least warriors game I've ever played. <laughs> Right, you get the sense on occasion, but it is this is just action RPG. (laughs) Nice. Anyway, let's go ahead and move on to the next subject. So, known insider Nate Drake on Resetera says that the Switch Pro, the upgrade or slash upgraded Switch, whatever you want to uh, think of it as, will feature 4K DLSS functionality and is likely coming this year. Do we believe it? You know, Nate Drake is someone I consider a friend, and he's he's been known to be accurate in the past. So while I can't say yes, I'm for sure that he's absolutely correct. I'm I'm likelier to believe him than not. But but that also flies in the face of what we've been saying about perhaps a Switch Pro making more sense for 2022. So it's really hard to say, but I'm I'm leaning toward him. You know, th- this being legit information just based on the fact that he's a buddy of mine, but I can't say for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I'm with Ash. I've talked a lot with Nate Drake about the switch pros specifically over, over the last 18 months that people have been saying it's coming soon. <laughs> um, and, and to be fair, his, his quotes are taken just a little bit out of context. He doesn't say it's coming in 2021. He says there's still hope right. for it coming in 2021, which I think is a huge difference. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't quite have the same level of certainty to it. Um, sure. And and that is also in my conversations with him. The vibe that I've gotten from him is that, yeah, it could still happen, but he doesn't come off as 100% sure that it's going to happen. And and I would say I'm in that boat. I think that it's way too early to say it's not coming out in 2021 for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. Do I personally believe it's going to make it? Probably not. Other things I've heard that I'm not confident in would point to it certainly not arriving on time. I think Nintendo wants it to arrive in 2021. I don't think it's going to. And I think that that... Um, I was going to say, they could... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 no please. please. Go ahead. No, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was going to say, they could easily have a target for 2021, but for you know the same reasons why we saw things get pushed back all throughout 2020, you know, into 2021 and beyond, it could just be something where they're not meeting that target goal, that target um, you know deadline for it, where it might have to be pushed to early 2022 instead. And for all those things that people are hearing that it could be late 2021 they might not reach that right i mean i have i have little doubt that 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 pre-covid that that was their hope and their intention was to kind of release a mid-generation upgrade to the switch likely around 2021 but you know covid obviously has upended so many different things including various game related production timelines and so i i could see it still I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat as Steve. I, I think there is definitely a chance that that it could come out this year still, and I absolutely do believe that that Nate Drake's info is legitimate. But does that mean it'll actually make it out this year? Not so sure. Yeah. Um, when's Breath of the Wild two coming out? Because that's when the Switch Pro is coming out. If this all this, exactly, it, thank yeah, you for yeah. saying it. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. Um. You, you launched say, a pro with a with Breath of the Wild two, boom. That's all you need to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone yeah. would upgrade. I mean, we all uh-huh. upgrade anyway. I'm pretty sure. But that 
that's the icing on the cake. All of us upgrading, probably everybody in the chat upgrade. A lot of people right. would upgrade just for that experience with Breath of the Wild 2 and really uh, dive into it. And the thing is, even if it does get pushed back to March, we've seen March. Yeah, that'd be something else. March 2022, five years after the original Switch launch. There's some poetry in that. Right. Well, and I mean, I got to say, though, like, like gun to my head, I don't expect Breath of the Wild 2 to come out until spring of next year. I do not expect Breath of the Wild 2 to come out this year. I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, could it still? Sure. It might sneak out as Nintendo's November 21st big holiday title. But I'm not feeling that right now. So if we're going with the theory that the Switch Pro launch would coincide with Breath of the Wild 2s, then I guess that means I think that the Switch Pro is going to get you know, pushed push back to 2022. And I say pushed, we don't even know when this thing's going to come out. But that does, I guess, suggest that I, I'm likelier on the side of it coming out in 2022. The way right. I see it, they could have this ready to go you know, this year, but that doesn't mean that they'll even release it this year because the Switch right now is still selling like hotcakes. It's still one of the best, you know, it's competing with two next-gen consoles and it's still selling so well. They have the Mario system uh, special edition that they just released that is going to be flying off the shelves. They um, have the Monster Hunter edition one, you know, that was just announced for North America too, that's going to be selling off the shelves. Um they are selling like record numbers right now and they it shows no signs of slowing down they don't need to push out this switch pro model until it uh, shows signs of slowing down so even if they do have this ready for late 2021 they might intentionally sit on it like you said for 2022 or whenever they have breath of the wild 2 ready because they just simply don't need to right now it would be kind of silly i think for them to throw money away by introducing it too early when the base model is not slowing down at all Right. You know, the interesting thing totally is, agree. I thought that March was a bad month to launch a console initially because it's so soon mm -hmm. after the holidays and people tend to spend a lot at the holidays. But what's the other time of the year that people spend a lot of money they probably shouldn't? Tax season. Mm. Yeah. I never thought right. of that. But until you started talking, like just chatting right now, I was like, oh my God, you're right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we all get, hopefully, many of us get <laughs> some, some money back from Uncle Sam. And America is the largest gaming market on earth. So if you want to sell the most amount of like whatever it is you're trying to sell, it makes sense to target it at a time when Americans traditionally have money to spend. Mm -hmm. And what better time than March? You're not competing with anyone. <laughs> it was. And people are. Absolutely out to blow that money they got back from tax tax refunds. That is a me gift, yeah. and that is perfect time for oh yeah. Well, I've time to spend the money on myself. As as an adult, I have always looked at my tax refund as okay. What am I going to blow this on? Like what? <laughs> I'm going to go get a new TV, a computer, something dumb that uh -huh. I don't need but I really want. And if Nintendo mm -hmm. launches a console in that time, I'm buying it ten times out of ten. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. when the Switch came out, I bought one for a friend. Even I was just like, here, <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> because i'm an idiot and uh, uh i also i'm i'm a generous idiot it's fine but yeah if i have the money to spend I'll, I'll spend it and and that's a terrible thing to do but it's something a lot of people do so if you're if you're a corporation yeah take i mean i'm there. the responsible one who just always took my uh refund and just rolled it over into the next uh quarterly taxes so i had to pay less that time oh man so, hey, i got being responsible i got over my here. tax I got my tax refund super late last year because I, I'm that person. Like my taxes are a nightmare every year in terms of how complicated mm. they are. So I always put them off. And so I didn't, I, I did my, I filed for an extension, 
did my taxes super late. So I didn't get my refund until like Black Friday, essentially. But it worked out because I used it for that for the new 4K TV. I just got the one that Steve recommended, the (laughs) LG CX. So it worked out. I'm glad I waited in that case. By the way, a quick quick anecdote about how lazy I am. I have my phone set up to turn on my TV with voice commands so that I don't even have to find my remote. I don't even know where my remote is. I love it. Do you use Siri? Wow. I do. Let's. Yeah. I can get it to work. It probably won't work because I'm going to demonstrate it. Hey Siri, turn on the TV in my room. Turning on the my room TV. Nope. <laughs> camera I'm chat. sorry, Steve. I didn't understand that question. Yeah. Oh, oh see that? There it is on. Nice. That's nice. a triumph for laziness, folks. Very nice. Triumph for laziness. <laughs> oh gosh. That's right. going to mess up Well, before we end off uh, this um, episode, we did have a bit of news that popped in as we were getting all set up. And Nintendo, that's, that's because Nintendo of America decided to be a little coy, which they don't really do a lot on their Twitter too often, because Tony Hawk uh, tweeted at them uh, saying, I just heard Crash 4 is coming to new platforms, and I'm kind of jealous. Hey, Crash Bandicoot, can you hook uh, Tony Hawk the game up? If this works, I uh, and basically um, Nintendo looked at saw this and did the eye emote. Like, um, hmm. <laughs> yeah, like a shifty eyes yeah, emote. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Not Tony Hawk on Switch, probably. They, they had another reply, too, didn't they? Did they? they? Oh, yeah. I think yeah. that yes. they said they replied to Tony Hawk as well. And said, come on, Crash, make it happen for Tony Hawk the game. <laughs> exactly oh yeah because crash said whoa who dis jk let me know what i can do activision activision any help and then nintendo get on, got in on it so yeah, yeah tony hawk on switch is coming <laughs> yeah i was totally about to say happening. this this isn't like, like when wendy's is in mcdonald's mentions on twitter like whoever runs the nintendo of america social media account has some very strict rules they clearly need to follow and that's yeah. uh mm-hmm. You yeah. don't normally see them do something like this. It is usually mm-hmm. a really clean, you know, probably approved many times over um, post before they post it. And I'm sure this was too. I'm sure this wasn't just the social media guy oh, going yeah. rogue or anything. But you don't typically see yeah. the Nintendo of America account getting, um, I guess, informal like this. I guess that's the word to use. It seems yeah, informal yeah. to me. Yeah, you really don't. Right. Nintendo's social media presence is, for lack of a better term, sterile. Like it's yeah. just, it's not mm. fun. They're just like, hey, we're releasing a new game. Yes, it's fifty nine ninety nine. No, we're not sorry. And that's, that's about all you <laughs> yeah. get from Nintendo on Twitter. Yeah, Nintendo on Twitter is we're gonna tweet about UFO game instead of <laughs> acknowledging Zelda's anniversary and make oh, everybody know, mad. Right. <laughs> right. What the hell, Nintendo? <laughs> Cute like, game. Yeah. Link Link is officially unloved by Nintendo. Mar- Mario gets an entire year of festivities. They don't even give Link a tweet. We were joking about <laughs> Metroid not getting a tweet for Metroid's anniversary, and turns out Zelda doesn't even get a tweet either. Yeah, that's wild to me. It's, but I mean, yeah. I was going to say it's better than Mario. It seems Mario. like just promoting. It doesn't legacy doesn't matter. It's just promotional. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think I mean, they actually and, and, did an anniversary tweet for Paper Mario, I think, just last month. So oh, I know yeah. they do it. Well, it's Mario involved, so... so... That's true. <laughs> that is yeah. true. The number one yeah, son I... gets all the gets all the presents from Nintendo. <laughs> it's just so weird because, I mean, I mean, yeah, obviously Mario is the number one son, but it's Zelda. I mean, I, I, uh, I would prefer that every major Nintendo series get 
you know, shout outs on their anniversaries. Kirby, Star Fox, Mother, Metroid, whatever. But it's Zelda. Zelda stands apart in the same way that Mario stands apart. And so it's just weird that they didn't even say anything. But maybe they're just waiting for their big announcement of the 35th anniversary festivities. That's just that's that's what I want to tell myself, at least. Who knows, though? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah. I, I think the good, the good theory is that they're waiting for the Mario one to be over. Um, I think we might start seeing a little bit more after March 31st. Um, I can see that. Get, get Skyward yeah. Sword to sell before they announce. It might even end up being around the same time that Mario's was in, you know, what was it, August, September? Yeah. 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 That sounds about right. They'll, they'll, they'll announce once, once they shut down Mario 35 on March 31st, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll announce that Skyward Sword HD is only going to be on sale till July 31st. Oh, <laughs> don't say that. Uh, right. I mean, I'm still picking it up, so whatever. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, we'll have to see where it all comes down. But I mean, Tony, it was all is inevitability that Tony Hawk would come to Switch eventually. Really yeah, was. and apparently, I'm, I'm not a Tony Hawk guy, but apparently, these remasters are actually quite good. Uh, mm-hmm. if you're a Tony Hawk fan, they're very faithful to the original games, so that's awesome. And uh, I'm glad they're coming, they're probably coming to Switch, yeah. I mean, I wonder if this will help uh, people recognize Tony Hawk more because all of his tweets about uh, just nobody knowing it's him, <laughs> just talking about him, uh-huh. but not actually yeah. knowing it's him. It's amazing. Right. amazing. Tony oh, Hawk for God. Smash. Let's promote it. Let's get his game selling. <laughs> Talk Tony about the deflating announcement. Just a real person in Smash. He's like, just a real person. Hawk. If we're yeah. get a real person, I want Sakurai. Yeah. Or Sagata oh, Sinshiro. Oh, hey, man. Shaq is technically a video game character now, too, after after two editions of Shaq. Whoa, 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 so whoa, whoa, whoa. Get... no, no, whoa. no, no, no. I will <laughs> no. I will argue uh, to the death that if Goku is disqualified for being in Dragon Ball, <laughs> Shaq does not get to be in Smash either. I guess. I yeah. guess. If, you, if you open the door to Shaq, you got to let Goku in first. That should be a problem. <laughs> I love how that's the. I love how that's the if then relationship here. <laughs> if Goku, if Shaq gets in, then Goku has to as well. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just logic. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I think with that, we've covered all the major headlines from today's news. But before we sign off, Rebecca, once again, thank you so much for joining us. And why don't you let everybody know where they can find you at? Oh, thank you. This was so much fun. Thank you for inviting me on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm on um, Twitter mostly. You can find me at Forest Minish, Forest like forest or woods and then minish like the minish cap i love zelda um i also stream on twitch at the same place at forest minish i am a staff writer at twifinite.net and i am also one of the co-hosts of the nintendo shack podcast which is part of the psvg network of podcasts i do a lot of you know a little bit of everything um i just like to talk about games (laughs) don't we all (laughs) yes well you certainly are in the right place for that and we'd love to have you back anytime it's been a pleasure having you on Mm -hmm. rebecca thank you so much a lot of fun (laughs) But with that, uh, I think we have to just switch over and give a thanks to all of our patrons because without all of you, this wouldn't happen. We'd be in a a much different situation. (laughs) Um, So thank you all for all any level of support. But of course, we have to give a special thanks to all of our patrons at the producer tier for helping to make this show happen. And in addition, a massive, massive, massive thank you to our patrons at the executive producer tier and above. And those fine folks include Jonathan Belmare, Brandon Bovia, Rob Arman X, Dan and Twistle, Zipati, Hyrule Hermit, Sky Blue Flames, Adam O'Sullivan, Richard Herrera, Michael Phone, 
Exploding Mew, Echo Carol, Christopher, The D-Pad, Guillaume Monet, Vesmio, Waffle King, Nick Waterman, Kitty Kong Fax, Angel Martinez, <laughs> Vedran Hotik, Macalau, John, Joshua Hunter, Evernight Studio, Benny Yao, Shadow the Cat, Azran127, Ken Roulet 09, Jake Pelka, Geller, Shiny Turkey, Joseph Rutkin, Titus Malvolio, Charlie Bird, Mitchell Herring, Lucky Wonderfish, Top Dog 23100, Brooke, Young Ben Kenobi, Charles Zaz, Douglas Chomics, Andrew Medeiros, RMM, Brady Power, Phantom 23, Scott Barber, Patrick Harrison, Rocks the Cat, Loyal Dingo, Flaming Highwayman, Sean Garrett, The Legend of Groose, Eddie B, Kai Ed, Kit Fisto, West Egg, Master Lynx, Sean Davis, Deneth, Jackson Jordan, Michael McCall, Matthew Wong, Ashish Joshi, Goron Amber, Straight Lace, Seth Walker, Hoobie, Marcos Conscious, Wolf X Blake and Moon Macarons, Kane, Captain Finlandia, 60 Minutes and 60 Seconds, The Game Orb, Dano the Artist, Synchro Lord, Brainchild, Rosa Bowling, Hi Mom, <laughs> Darkumi87, The Flying Tacos, Scuff196, Naughty Senpai, and Andrew. Thank you all oh. so much. We're going to make Ash collapse from dancing at, <laughs> at some point here. It, it really feels like. He put so much energy. You got to get like 200 more just to get you to keep dancing even longer. Yeah, exactly. I know. This is my uh, my exercise for today, man. I got I to gotta get my calories in where I can. So keep that, <laughs> keep that EP list going. Chris Masterson, how do I hold it together, Derek? You're, you're talking to the guy who did a podcast by himself for an hour. So I can I can talk <laughs> if, I, if, if need That's be. True. And also, after a decade of knowing me, Derek is wise to all my bullshit. He's 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 used to me, man. I uh, like I just back down, like him raising the roof in the background. Whatever. Yeah. But remember that you too can become a patron over at Patreon.com/slash/GVGaming, where you can watch today's news tonight. Today's news tonight live for as little as five dollars a month, and that includes Ash's dance where he shakes that ash. So thank you all so much for watching. I love it. If you like this video, be sure to subscribe to Good Vibes Gaming for more good times like these. And until next time, good night and good vibes. Good night, everybody. everybody. Bye.